0: Deep dive. We got there through the grand final for now. A big review before we head into trade period. How are you, me old mate Mick? Good
1: mate. Yes. Uh, the the song this one this one song for little gaz has been and gone and wasn't what he wanted or cats fans, but <sighs> nonetheless we uh, we finally got to that uh, grand final that we didn't think was possible probably seven months ago.
0: Well, like, it's funny, I've heard a lot of people saying it was an all-time game and, like, a game for the ages. Like, I don't know necessarily about that. Like, it was, a, it, it was a good good game. It's funny how short people's memories are. Like, 2018 was, without any doubt, a better game. Both teams were in the game until the last, like, two minutes. But it did make... I wonder whether it gets a bit blown up in people's heads, this one just gone, well, obviously because it's fresh in their minds, but also because it had a lot of talking points. Like it had a lot of different like crazy, like in the first few minutes, there were two major injuries. Like it had a lot of crazy things happen, but I'm not sure whether it was necessary. It was a really good game, but like 2010, definitely better 2012 for sure. Like uh, 2016, a- 16. yeah, yep, yep. I agree. Yep. 16 was a better game. Um, it was better than 15. I'd uh, like, it's better than probably better than 13 as well. I never felt like free or were going to win that. No.
1: Oh um, yeah. Look, you know, I agree. Yeah. I I, I I think from a from a story point of view um, and all the subplots that happened throughout the game from essentially the get go, oh yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a remarkable grand final in that regard. But from pure um, entertainment slash football component, yeah, no, nah, it's it's not up there with the greats of all time. Very good um, and better than I guess. Yeah, some of the ones we've mentioned in the last decade that have been real blowouts. I think yeah. the final margin personally is a little bit flattering to Richmond. I, I thought overall it was a, a much closer game than yeah. the final score suggests. But um, yeah, it's I'm not going to in six months' time. I'm not going to think that oh, I feel so lucky to have witnessed that grand final. It's it's not like 89 that I saw or, yeah, 2010 yeah. Um, and, and these really, really significant grand finals that, like you said, 18 that went right to the wire. Didn't know who was going to win until uh, the last sort of 10, 15 seconds.
0: Yeah, it was a very good game still. There's heaps and heaps to discuss. Um, so we'll obviously wade through that in this episode. Um, massive thanks to our sponsors at Hopstone. Hopstone is a craft beer delivery service please check them out at hops2home.com.au, and you can use the promo code Dive to get $25 off your first pack. Uh, heading into the mania as well, the other big thing that happened today obviously is that we finally got an idea when we're getting out of uh, lockdown. So it's funny, these episodes have kind of been like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a tape that like people will watch in hundreds of years. It's like what the hell are they talking about? Like it was, it's almost been like a a video diary of like what it looks like to be locked up for how long, but um, we finally so know what saying, we're getting out.
1: It'll be, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be good to show um, your, your impending little one, right. When, uh, when she's, well, grown up and understands like this is what happened while you were getting born
0: <laughs> yeah exactly i don't think i don't think anyone will believe it i was talking about this yesterday i don't think like it's going to be so hard to explain to people what this was like even people in other states like i guess they kind of understand because it's like well imagine what, what you did we did it again and we did it for like twice as long nearly three times as long um anyway but so that happened today so that's that's been obviously very exciting but in with that Obviously, very late in the year now Christmas shopping is going to be pretty bonkers um, Hopstimes a, a great idea for a, um, for a present definitely it, it, no contact as much as you know we're, we're at zero cases now you, you know people still want to take care out there and, and you know not go too hard but um, yeah a great idea for a present it's really well priced crafty and with that discount you're getting it at a excellent price um, on your first purchase and you can it's a subscription style model so you can pause and resume it it's um, yeah very switched on model uh hopstone.com please check it out uh beyond the game tv as well these videos will be up on beyond the game tv and other bits and pieces that we do i'm sure um please check out his content over the off season there'll be other sports i'm sure he'll cover um over the next few months while the um, afl and nrl and other bits and pieces finish Um, i know there was a whole lot of ufc stuff recently so if you're into that um yeah i'm sure he's covering um all that side of things too
1: yeah but uh, cricket's just started. Yeah, so, well, that's,
0: so. that's true. He does cover some cricket and other other things. He'll do Australian Open. He always does a fair bit of tennis content too. So it looks like the Australian Open's definitely going to, A, go ahead, but B, it'll be um, in Melbourne kind of it's semi-normal. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, but let's get into this grand final. So, I mean, obviously heaps to discuss. So obviously Richmond in the end, 81 to 50, Richmond by 31 points. Yeah. Um, like let's, we'll break it into a few pieces, I guess. So we'll start start with Richmond. I mean, there's so much to discuss. So obviously, initially we have these two major injuries. It's only like five or six minutes into the game. The first quarter ends up going for like 31 minutes. And we have it kind of... I was like, oh, that's what a quarter used to feel like as well in terms of the time. Like when I, yeah. I got up to go to the bathroom, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's kind of what quarters tend to feel like. It was weird. But um, obviously, Vloston, like knocked out. Uh, what are we what did you did you think so don't you feel no no suspension. Did you have any issues with that? I, I don't
1: think he intended um, to do it. But yeah, yeah yes yes and no. Um yes I do have an issue that he hasn't been reported because that goes against everything that the AFL yeah. has put in place for the last two or three years. Um but it brings and see the argument for those who are right across it is that it was in the act of play. So well you can go back through the, all the people that have got done for high contact using their hip or lower limbs that are going for the ball. So, yeah. if they're going to be consistent, which the AFL keeps saying they want to be, um, he should have been reported. Yeah. I don't agree with that. That's just the interpretation of the rules. So, the fact that he doesn't, that's my other hat, my purest AFL lover. Uh, no, it, it, it happens. That's part of the game. Um, I think had it been another player, though, just to throw a little conspiracy in there, that, that these 100%. superstars absolutely get away with certain things that um, some of the lesser lights wouldn't. So yeah, look, and and I guess grand final, you don't want to take the shine off the winning team either. Um, that would have that probably would have played on the AFL heads' minds. Yeah, so. Yeah, look, oh, it, ten, even ten years ago, that incident wouldn't have even been considered up for debate. He 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 went, he punched the ball. His arm's still up. He just natural reaction to protect himself, and unfortunately lost and uh, got knocked out. That's that's the disappointing part. Was a, a super defender didn't play the game, um, so we missed out on what he could have contributed to the game.
0: And that's it. And I think. Like, and we'll get into Ablett, but I think the loss of Vlosten was bigger um, at the time. And then in the end, it probably evened out almost in terms of the impact that it had because Ablett was really ineffective as well. Because once they got it back in, I don't know, we we still don't really know whether he had the injection or not, but because in the past he's not done that. But either way, he really had no effect anymore. Um, But yeah, with Vlosten, it was sad that he couldn't contribute to the game. Um, at all really he actually was good in the first few minutes like I know it was a very small sample size but I actually wrote down really early I was like wow Vlosten looks so good like he looks really really on he was way ahead of the ball he was playing his role obviously as he always does so well um, but <clears throat> that so that happened and then I guess with Dangerfield I, I don't know like I get there's kind of two actions because he's like that and then like that but I don't think he I don't think he intended. I think he was bracing for contact. I don't think yeah, he intended to go for the head, like, but you're right. If, well that's it. And if that happens during the season in a home and away game and it's like Ben Long or somebody like that, it, he goes for a week, even two weeks. That's just the reality. Like we can't you just can't argue it either way. I, I completely agree with you. It's danger and it's in a it's in a grand final and they don't want to they don't want to be seen to be to be giving him time. So I, I don't know. I just think it, 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 that's, I 100% believe that it depends on who the person is, which is bullshit. It shouldn't, but it does. Yeah. I, I think. I just don't see how you can look at it any other way. But anyway, I, look, it was split seconds. It was two actions. It probably was a week, but I don't know. It is what it is. I'm not that hung up on it. But the worst part, as you say, and I think, okay. I don't know about his jaw, because that, like, it looked like he was pointing to the doctor and going like that, I saw. So I don't know whether he needed to get, whether he will need to get any surgery or what the story is. I, I have, yeah. They've kept that pretty in-house.
1: Seen, yeah, I was going to say, he, he, looked, um, he looked relatively good from the time he came back in, into the change rooms and sat yeah. on the bench. Um, yeah. As if, I mean, they were never going to do it because he was cast so they can't bring him back. But he looked like he could comprehend everything that was going on, which a lot of players... My brother, um, similar thing happened to him uh, age grand final. He got knocked out in the first five minutes. Right. He can't, he can't recall anything, even though he came to within half an hour or whatever it was. He, he can't recall the day at all. Nothing before really? it, nothing right. during. No, no, it's as if they're the grand final, which they won, which is sad. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Boston um, does have a recollection a of the game because – That'd be disappointing um, for him if he if he wasn't even able to recall the game if he was sitting there watching it. So it was good to see him back um, on the sidelines. Though that was that was nice to see.
0: Um, it was, yeah. And he seemed okay, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see yeah. what happens to him. But given he couldn't get back and play, you'd like that, I just can't. I just don't buy that with a random player or a player that has a little bit of a bad record that they wouldn't just push the button. But anyway. It is what it is, um, but then so like I think Richmond start they both both teams started really well. Um, I thought Colin Jasney on Martin early was working. Yes, it was very early, but it was starting to work. Um, Dusty in the middle wasn't having as much effect very early, um, but then this was this was only a few minutes, and then these two massive incidents happened. So then the ablet side of it. Cotchen, completely legal tackle. He has The, the irony was that it was Cochin obviously, that gets criticised with the, um, you know, in, intense, let's say, or violent or whatever you want to say, tackles. It was quite ironic, I thought, that it was Cotchen, but it was completely fine. It, it was a, a textbook tackle, totally fine, um, but it he just had his elbow out too wide, it looked like. Like, it was too much of an L shape so that when he landed, so much of the force went flush up. So he's popped the shoulder uh, with the dislocation. It's the same one that Ablett did. Um, was it McAffer for Collingwood that tackled him? I can't remember. It was a while back. Now yeah, it was the It's
1: the one he had surgery on, starting
0: yeah, and, and the one he's injured in the past when he was playing for the Suns too. What seven or, eight, seven, six or seven years ago? So that um, so that obviously wasn't ideal. He went away, came back. It was like you know the rise of um, Son of God. All that's all the Ablett, You know. <laughs> Stuff was very funny. Twitter was hilarious for that, you know, minute or two. But then he came on and even in that first minute or two, there was a moment with, I think it was McIntosh, there inside 50 where he kind of grimaced a bit or like he braced for contact, but he was kind of going like that. Like he kind of like, not coward, but like you can't naturally not like, you know, not almost flinch, I guess, to a degree. Um, And then it was like, that was the first sign. It's like "Mm
1: -hmm." like someone who... Um, has just rolled their ankle. Like you, can, you can put some pressure on it, but you, you tend to walk on your, your tippy toes on that side yeah. uh, and put, put a bit more weight on on the opposite leg, whereas yeah, Ablett was definitely not going hard at the footy no. not on his left-hand side and then he was uh, making sure that where he could avoid contact on that shoulder or even that arm. He was dying. so that makes me think he didn't get the injection either, they just popped yeah, it back in. I think so too, um, because he was grimacing all the way through pretty much um, straight
0: away. Yeah,
1: so yeah, and uh, going back to what you, you said, I, I attend, I, I'm i big agree that Vlaston initially was a bigger out, um, which was evidenced by the half time scoreline. Uh, but then they were able to resettle, obviously, uh, have a chat about their new setup and structures. Whereas I think. Well, Long have the depth uh, to cover. Look, yeah, and I, I don't think he was going to get the space and time that he had the week before to to kick three or four goals. So Richmond defensively, are just too good for that to happen. So, yeah, and look, hats off to him. Um, super effort to get back out there and, and play out the game and and have a little impact. Not as big as one would expect, but I don't think he was a even if he was fit, I don't think he would have made up three or four goal difference to make it a close game.
0: Well, the the Tigers played him very well, which we'll get into as we kind of open up the conversation. But I think we have to kind of have to, it's a weird game to talk about because we kind of have to tackle these first two things because they can initially, before we start talking about the whole thing, because it really kind of changed the momentum of the game completely. So we had two players go off. It was pretty obvious that Boston wasn't going to come back on purely from that hit. He took ages to get up. It was about an eight minute break, um, which really blew the quarter, as I said, right out to 30 minutes plus. And then, so that obviously completely changed the momentum. So we'll start with Richmond. I mean, that, that threw their back six, like quite heavily. And I remember thinking initially, I was like, this is obviously not good, but I think this team with the experience should be able to deal with this. But there was a period there for about ten or fifteen minutes where it didn't look great, and really, it a lot of the game. Looking back on it now, I watched it again that night, so I've seen it through twice, and <clears throat> as you do. And That's to great. be honest, yeah, exactly. And to, but to be honest though, like it did feel watching it again, basically like really almost beat for beat the same as the preliminary final um, again with these two teams last year because Geelong. Up At half time, they should have been further up than they were. They were 22 points up last year, they were what 17 or 18, something like that, this year, and then they got run over the top. I know there was different permutations through the game that were different, but overall, it actually wasn't that dissimilar. It was interesting to see it get played out, you know, quite similar. We spoke in text, obviously, we couldn't catch up because of the lockdowns, but. Like, we immediately said once Vlosten was injured, Short's got to come in, he's got to lift, Hulley's going to have to have a better game because early on he hasn't had that good of a game and then we find out later he did his calf. But then, so we were like, okay, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. Bolter on Hawkins wasn't working. I think, like, it's funny, just pause for a second. Chris Scott's been criticised from time to time for taking too long to make moves. That's, like, often, if you look at, like, Geelong, Nuffy, Twitter... A lot of them are like, you know, not as much anymore, but for a long time it was like, oh, he takes too long to make decisions. And I don't necessarily always agree with that, but I I think I do with this game, particularly watching it a second time. Blixarves was really ineff- – there's a few things. So, like, Blixarves was really ineffective. I really do think they needed to move him into the ruck. And I don't know what you do with Stanley. There's a, a few other options, but it just wasn't working. So maybe he becomes that high – Higher, higher, kind of half back, more use his pace, try and like you know throw him onto down Curvis, exhaust down curves a little bit. There's little things like that. There's that, there's and there's the big thing which we'll get into, I'm sure, around whether he should have put Dangerfield back in the midfield in the third quarter. I think, and watching it again, I think it was crazy that that didn't happen. And then also, yeah. like, oh, sorry, I agree, just
1: on that point, no, 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 go, that's, go. That's, that's, no, that's the strongest uh, criticism I have. Of, of, yeah. Chris Scott's moves or inability, I could not believe that Danger stayed in that forward position while the team was getting decimated in the middle. It just uh, put my mind that – and and even Scott, like Dangerfield upon himself, like we know that he – where these senior players are are given that freedom if they see fit to to make that swap and I'm very surprised – or whether they thought that Menegola and Duncan, I mean, Duncan was having a very, very good game, yeah. uh, would be able to lift enough, but, yeah, too little, too late. Um, yeah, very, very surprised on that. Yeah, because it was an interesting one, and even Stanley, It, it, it for me, watching it um, and being a, and in this advice and I'm not following, I'm not backing for either the side, just loving the game and, and watching it unfold, I just, and it would be interesting to 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 chat with Dimmer, not that we've, we we know how to, but um, when it was deployed to just put that extra little bit of pressure on those two in particular when they got the ball, because they they just did not have time. As soon as they grabbed the ball, there was a swarm of Richmond players ready to ready to tackle, and they took forever. I was watching and uh, utmost respect for both the players, but it looked like. Um, a newborn uh, giraffe, every time they got the ball, they took so long to get boot to ball so that it was un, un, um, unright, uh, what did they call it, um, incorrect disposal so much and just under pressure. So, yeah, yeah it would be interesting to see if that was an actual tactic to, to put that extra 1% or, uh, or 2% pressure on those two big men just to stop their influence on the game.
0: Yeah. I... They, didn't,
1: they didn't have any impact as far as I'm concerned.
0: No, um, they didn't. They didn't, yeah, and it's funny. Like I, I, I really think they needed. It's, it's strange because I, I was talking about this today with some a friend. Like I just don't understand. Like there's a few things that there's moves that Geelong have done that have worked that they just didn't do in the grand final. So rotating the ruck position more worked. Like it, it there, it's worked against other teams and good teams. I don't know why they didn't do it more. Yeah. So that's the kind of. Like you could go into it further, but that's kind of the, you know, it's hard. You could really keep going. But where, you know, I want to talk about the danger field thing as well, because it's like in watching it again, it became, I mean, it was watching it live. It felt ridiculous, but watching it again, like that quarter feels so long for that, like in that, in that respect, like it's, it's like in the third quarter, they're getting murdered immediately. Richmond come on after halftime and they noticeably, even I was in the first time I watched this, they noticeably look different. In terms of more confident, more uh, they were more physical immediately. They were asserting themselves further onto the game. They were doing all the things they weren't doing in the or more of the things they weren't doing in the first half. The things they were doing at sixty percent, they were doing at eighty or ninety percent. Um, and they got immediately beaten in the centre, and the cats panicked. And got to say it, it's harsh, but I, I feel like they really did choke in in elements of the game absolutely. And I just you know I, I get and i don't know why they want jeremy cameron because then they don't have to play dangerfield you know for 80% in the forward line and he becomes a you know 50-50 60-40 mid to forward and that would that's that's obviously it'd be great to have two dangerfields but selwood was fantastic in the first half you know guthrie had his moments for sure but they were getting smashed and i just don't understand why they would wait so long i think chris scott overly backed his system and it cost them and like it little things as well like in watching it again and I noticed this a little bit at the time and I wrote it down but there was watching it a second time was good because I was like okay I'll watch out for this so Bolter initially and this shows a contrast of the coaches and I'm not wanting to have a go at Chris Scott I think he's done a very good job this year but you look at you have to look at it I mean you look at Bolter he was not very good early like you know Hawkins was really dominating him that was a bad matchup it wasn't working and Geelong were using it to their favour and then Asprey went to Hawkins, and he did a really good job. And it didn't really like have that much of an, He didn't really have that much of an effect for a period of time. And then he ended up on Grimes, and Grimes really was doing what they do to um, Harris Andrews. So he was initially Hawkins was dragging Grimes out of the fifty, so that at least when the ball comes in, the best defender for the opposition's you know really too far away from the ball. And that's like, it's simple, but it was working. He was dragging him wide and that worked. But then after a while, Grimes just played through it and got himself back into the contest. It's just those little things, you know, that had worked with getting Hawkins back into the game that they just didn't do. But the Dangerfield ones is, yeah, that's, that's the biggest, probably most glaring one where they just had to, even six or seven minutes in, they had to give it a go. Even if they were going to lose more and harder, they needed
1: to, to try that. You know. Yeah, and just is the, the, the irony of them. Why not put Tui in that position? We know Tui can play that forward role. Yeah. Um, it's not like they don't have the options to to uh, try other players. They've got they've got enough depth and enough um, skilled players that can rotate between forward mid or halfback mid. Um, and I'm surprised at it because, it, I mean, too, he had his moments, but I, I think giving him an opportunity up in the forward line for a bigger chunk and getting danger in the midfield may have helped to balance or at least stop the bleeding a little bit in that third quarter, um, especially uh, towards the end where, I mean, had there been a goal or two um, closer, then who knows what could have happened in the fourth it, Dusty, Dusty started to to rev his engine and find gears six and seven, and when that happens, uh, well, we saw what happened. Um, Dangerfield got shrugged in a in a tackle f- by Dusty, and he kicked his fourth. So he just yeah blows your mind a little bit. Um, obviously, heat of the battle, things happen, and probably e- easy being an armchair expert. Like uh, on the day, um, there's not not a lot of pressure on your eye right to do it, but. Again, we don't get paid a million dollars a year to coach an elite team of footballers. Uh, we should be able to identify where there's issues as well, so and, and plug them. Um, and yeah, look, I, I agree with you and same sentiments that uh, Chris Scott on is probably one of the coaches that gets dealt harsher than a lot of other coaches out there uh, for various reasons. And well, he'll never openly admit or directly admit that. He may have been too slow. Indirectly, I think in the press conference he said yeah. something very similar that he, the system, the Richmond system, works better than his. So, a random way of saying that he didn't move quickly enough to address well, the system. But on,
0: on that, and you're right, and on that, like I think it's partially, partially a big reason I think why Richmond's system worked better, if you want to compare it like that. And I, I thought I was thinking about this when I saw the press conference was. Because Hardwick made the decisions, Bolter was getting smashed, so put him in the ruck. You know, like Asprey to Asprey Hawkins worked for that period, and then they needed him for other reasons. So let's let's then completely take Rowan out of the game. So let's put yeah. let's then put Grind like. There, there were moves that Hardwick made that that were faster and far and away more effective and and just braver ultimately.
1: Yeah, and reminded his defensive um, unit not to get sucked in by coming up the field with the Richmond play, uh, with the um, the Geelong opponents. Like, Stay in your spot, which and that's why Grimes yeah. in particular had a very very good uh, second half. He, I think, I thought he, he looked out of sorts in the first half, but when you, you your best teammate next year, Boston's not there and um, Geelong having just as much of the say. Uh, you do get sucked in just to follow your opponent, but that reset yeah. at halftime um, and they stuck to that new system, which worked amazingly. The, even like the Geelong forward thrusts were up in the air. They went, went eyes down and, and trying to pinpoint uh, targets. They were forced into rushed bombs, uh, which obviously works extremely well for yeah. Richmond Richmond backs they can read the play they can peel off and then they can set up um, to move forward very very easily. they they were able to quickly um, get get it on their terms for the second half
0: but it's funny like to because compare it's, it's the yeah exactly very quick to move and adjust a hundred percent and like you know to compare their systems it's funny like everybody always thinks you know it's uh, I think it's, to quote Chris Scott, I think it's a bit lazy analysis to say Richmond's, it's chaos versus Geelong control. That's just not really the cleanest way to look at it. I I, I get the idea, but Richmond do have a lot of control. But part of where the chaos is, and you compare it to somebody like Luke Beveridge, and we watch a Bevo game, and... A lot of the time you're watching it and you're like, wow, he's throwing pieces all over the chessboard. We always joke about this with Western Buddha's games because it's like he's playing him here and him here and you know let's let's you know it's always joke the joke's always like Caleb Daniel in the ruck, you know, when's he gonna do it? But like the the <laughs> the joke about it is like when you look at Richmond, they actually do move around quite a bit. It's just more seamless because they've got a very good deep team. And it just doesn't seem as obvious and as crazy. Because he, they know what they're doing and they're so well drilled. I, I saw a comment today, I can't remember who this was by, um, I don't know, like an Alistair Lynch type, I can't remember, someone, like a great, you know, grand final player from like one of those, I think like a Brisbane, one of those teams, oh no, it was Sauce. sorry, on Trade Radio, he was saying that um, Richmond's not, like Richmond, if you look at player to player, aside from Dusty, you know... The, If you compare them to like Geelong or Brisbane or those other dynasty teams, you know, they're probably a better team, like the Spurs are almost. He didn't use this example, but kind of like, you know, that, you know, Popovich balance of like, you know, obviously Duncan's a freak, but then like other role players and all that stuff. And it's just a super even team. Whereas the other teams might've had a bit more flash and a bit more pizzazz and all that sort of stuff. and. You know more highlights, but Richmond is, and I really like the way that that, that example. I, I agree with it. He was like, "That's what's so interesting about Richmond's dynasty now is that their three is not like a. It's just a, it's a different three, and I kind of quite, I quite like that idea. But and it's just so even. But anyway, we're
1: absolutely. look I like that analogy as well, They That do remind me. Um, I mean, both actually, funnily enough, both both. Teams Geelong and Richmond remind me um, very much of the San Antonio Spurs, yeah. just for different uh, different reasons. Geelong have always, like the Spurs, made themselves available to be in a position to get a premiership or a championship, um, where whereas they've got, had always had a number of stars and they haven't relied on one or two um, stars. Whereas Richmond's pretty much the opposite. Well. Over the last few years, they've been able to get there and, and be um, right in the mix for yeah. a premiership. But aside from Dusty right at the moment, I mean, there's arguments for Cotchen and Lynch and a couple others to be in the in the mould. But Dusty's the only superstar that yeah. has been a superstar for three, four, five years now. Um, Cotchen's starting to wane, which is fine. He, he carried that team for, for the... Last bit of the Dark Ages into this um, dynasty era. Uh, he doesn't need to have that big influence. A bit like Selwood doesn't need to be as influential for too long. Um, yeah. And Lynch probably needs another year of really good football before he gets put into that sort of category. So yeah, tend to tend to. Uh, I like that analogy. And um, look, the, the systems with with Richmond um, going back to the, the chaos, I guess. In that initial drought flag, 17, it was really chaos as far as just whatever, just get the ball forward and it was yeah. manic and all that type of stuff. I think now they're still labelled that way because unlike, I guess, the 3D Pete Hawthorne team or the Collingwood current team where it's pinpoint, uh, high-skilled kicking um, and handball, Richmond don't care. It, it can be a tumble. It can be a grubber kick. but they, they just want to. Continuously gain meterage. To take a, a analogy from from rugby um, and gridiron American football, it's all about getting into a position to be able to score better or more effectively. So the closer you are to goal and the quicker you can get there, the more chances that the uh, opposition's defence are going to be under pressure. Yeah. So I think they they do it better, uh, like you said and rotate players around in positions um, and that manic football isn't so much manic as in it's zigzagging and moving all over the shop. It's There's, just that they don't care about a, a precision yeah. kick hitting a target. As long as it's moving forward, they back the team, like you said, to be able to create a, a stoppage or get the loose ball and, and have someone run on it.
0: It's like a tornado. They're structured to the chaos, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so,
1: so that, that's, good. that's good. I like that. Yeah,
0: that's, that's what
1: it is. is. Uh, now the
0: Richmond Toyota. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a suburban, like a really weird basketball team. Um, so the, yeah, so that like we can really go into that minutiae, and it's interesting, it's very interesting to discuss. And I think once we discuss the game, I'd like to talk to you about like because we've only got the one game to talk about. It's always fun to do the grand final pretty deep, but. At the end, after the game, let's talk a bit about the Pantheon and where Richmond's at and all that stuff. So we'll come. We'll come back to that because I think and where Dusty's at and stuff because we have got to talk about that because obviously there's a lot of things and you know Abled obviously retiring and all that stuff. So we'll get to that. But in terms of the game, um, like so obviously there were two major incidents. It's funny like watching it again. Like to me, Geelong need like they really should have been at least two goals up. Like and I do feel watching it at the time, and certainly the second time, that they really did get the yips. There were gaps between the goals where it didn't feel as obvious that that was happening. But in watching it again, like there's that two he miss and it's really bad timing. And then Hawkins goes for around the body, which is never really like in a bad angle. Um, Somebody else, I think maybe Menagol has that. Yeah, Myers, that's it. Myers,
1: 20 meters in front.
0: that's it. Again. Yeah.
1: Slow down. Take time yeah. off the clock and have a set shot rather than playing on. Oh, just little things like that just killed uh, Geelong.
0: That that's the thing. There were tiny moments of experience, and that's a big reason why we both tipped Richmond. Was we just felt that might cost them a little bit, but they the Cats really like his The problem with it is history will forget about it, and it, it's not one of those games where it was close. Like you know, it had such a blowout or something like that. There's no. History won't remember that Geelong were really in this game, but they were really in this game far and away yeah. more. To the point that if they'd kicked those minimum, I think really two other goals, if Dusty misses that goal just before half time, which he could have,
1: yeah, they go in. All of a sudden,
0: miles. yeah, all of a sudden they're really on the ropes. Like that's four, four, four and a bit goals, nearly five goals where they're down. That's yeah. A si- and you that's really it, need yeah. to, to beat Richmond, you really need to put them away and, and give them no, 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 no hope. Like, let, look, they didn't care about the margin at half-time. That dusty goal no. was really integral. And when when it happened, I remember thinking, <laughs> he's going to win the Norm oh, again, isn't he? He's going to win the Norm Smith again. Yeah. Like, even though at that time he wasn't the leader, I was like, so, there's something in the air.
1: Yeah, He's woken up.
0: He's yeah, going to do absolutely. it again. Yeah. Because and, that, and
1: that's... And that's when I thought, no, nah, now that Richmond are within striking distance, they'll sort out their defensive issues. That's fine. They've got enough yeah. uh, cogs, cogs in play to, to work that out. Um, and and then within the first five minutes of the restart, I was like, can Geelong, can Geelong figure out how to handle this pressure? Um, and I kept hoping that they would, but it was just too much in the end as 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 it rolled out, and Dusty, yeah, as I said, went into beast mode and does what he does in grand finals.
0: And Dusty was always going to respond. He had he had, a, yeah. he, had a, he had a good first half. He had a mind blowing second half. But he was always going to respond. But they needed to keep applying the pressure, even if they got one extra goal. Just keep applying it. It was always going to go down to the wire. I know in the end, it kind of it didn't in the very end. But it was only two points at three quarter time, right? Richmond completely got the lead back well, literally got the lead back, but the, but got the momentum heavily back. And they continued it, obviously, even more. The fourth quarter was was very disappointing for Cats fans. But this must have been very frustrating for Geelong fans, in that it goes obviously <laughs> without saying. But, like, they were they were far and away more in this than I think history will remember it. So I just wanted to say yeah. that because, like, you know, not that people can listen to this in years and years' time, but still, like, I just think it needs to be said just how much this could have gone the other way. This was...
1: Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more with, with that. Um, they, they were in this up to their levels.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's like, it feels like, you know, if you look at, in, in 2009 Wimbledon, Roger beats um, Roddick, um, what is it, 16, 14 in the fifth. There were a couple of points there in the fourth set where Roddick could have brought up a, a set point and then made it, uh, the third set, sorry, and brought up a set point. No one, No, I only know that because I'm, really into tennis like that's that's completely forgotten now it's gone and that's the thing it's like a tie ty- it's just so close a tiny bit more you know he, he wins the fourth and then federal wins the fifth but like that's the thing and well he blew it again even more in oh five or four the one where there's the rain break he's just setting the break up and then he loses him four yeah. but anyway the, the point is that yeah this like this it it really was that that much dire for Richmond though they, they, they weren't applying enough pressure the tackle numbers were way down so let's look at this just as something before we keep moving through it so in the first half to give you a really uh, listeners as well a bit of a ballpark idea right so this is Richmond's stats and we're not going to go obviously way stat heavy but just a couple of things right so in the first half Richmond are negative 27 uncontested possessions to Geelong the second half they're plus 10 the first half they're negative 24 uncontested marks. By the end of the game, they're plus eight. They're, but there's a first half, they were down one clearance, so not crazily so. They were much better in the clearance, and that's something we can chat about too, which is an interesting thing with Richmond. And then by the end, they were up um, five clearances. Inside 50s, they were even at halftime, but then, and the second, which didn't feel like it at all, because Geelong should have been way more up than that. It was strange that that was even. But then in the second half, Richmond had nine more inside 50s. It's like, it is crazy how much they completely changed the pendulum. And it just shows that that Richmond freight train, they never really start that well. But then once it gets going, it's kind of like Rafa. Once, and to use tennis analogies, he never comes out of the, or sometimes he does, but like a lot of the time, he won't come out of the blocks blaring it. He needs to play to get into the momentum. And then once he gets into it, it's just impossible to, in a lot of ways, to stop him. But yeah, as I yeah. said, they could they could have done something against look, they could have worked a little bit hard on Dusty, but he was always going to respond. But that said, like there are other things that they could have done, which, yeah, it's 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 disappointing. Uh but look, you know, the other thing, I mean, look, so it was very wet, obviously, so it was talking, the game was gonna get, you know, paused and all that sort of stuff with the lightning. So I was actually really impressed, I don't think I've we've spoken about this, but it the ground drained really quick. Like, MCG quick. Because it started off and I was like, Jesus, the conditions are shit. In the first five minutes, I was like, wow, this is going to be a dirty grand final. But then, as it went, it got better and better and better. And I thought, well, this is really... You can't... You know, Richmond would love it to be wet, slow, defensive, all that. They would have loved that game. But the drier it got, the harder it got to play that kind of game.
1: Yeah, look, they did an amazing, amazing job. Apparently, uh, there was... Thirty mil uh, up until mm. two o'clock in the afternoon or three o'clock in the afternoon, and so they had the super super soakers out there uh, like they do with the cricket, um, up until about an hour before the game or something like that, and then just allowed um, nature to dry up naturally and let the ground um, soak. And I, yeah, I was the same. I think after that um, Boston incident, um, so about twenty minutes into the game, on a uh, let's say. Um, yeah, they, they start. You start the, the really good, skillful players started to play like it was almost um, dry weather football, and yeah. the second half was definitely like that. That didn't look like it was much rain, and obviously the um, humidity didn't have much of an effect either.
0: No, and it was hot. Like the guy, the. I think Edwards was saying after the game. He was like, it was like twenty eight degrees when the siren blew. It was hot, and it was like seventy percent humidity, <coughs> which you know, 70% in some countries, you'd be like, oh, it's not too bad. In Brisbane, that's really hectic. For very overseas listeners, that's hot. And sticky and gross. Yeah. yeah, that that's like, you know, in a sauna, that's not ideal. Um, but yeah, like Ablett, like, just I can't, like, it's hard to, we got, we want to talk about him, but obviously he didn't have the best game. I mean, like, he does a Stevie J. I was thinking about this as well. You know how when we were, like, the 11 grand final, you know, when Stevie J got hurt and everyone was like, oh, he's not going to come back. But Stevie J was obviously huge in that game. But, in, you know... Obviously, Abla wasn't yeah. able to do it. But I think it's funny, like, as much as it was shithouse, obviously, what happened to Abla, because no one wanted to see that. And, like, you know, obviously seeing his boy at the end, like, he's obviously not doing, doing that well. And, you know, we send our best to, you know, he and his family. And it's, you know, he couldn't do sad. He couldn't carry him at the end with his shoulder and all that stuff. And uh, the whole thing's obviously not great. But in some ways, you can look at it and say, well, this is kind of like, not on Ablett directly, but it's why we love sport because the drama is just so unpredictable and so crazy that you know sport can throw this sort of stuff up. I mean, who could have possibly written a script like this? It seemed, you know, Shakespearean and, and in, in a you know the the tragic loss and all that sort of stuff that this would happen in his last game. It was just bizarre. Like it felt, you know, it felt surreal to me. And I know well, it.
1: It. we almost yeah it almost lost the hero yeah. before the first chapter's even written. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it is, and, and, and as you've said many times throughout uh, this podcast, not just this year, sport does have a an unusual way of throwing um, up storylines out of the blue, and it's what we it's why we're drawn um, to the game, not just this, but whatever sport people are um, involved in and enjoy watching, because <clears throat> there's there's so much unknown, and uh, I mean the fact that it was an interstate grand final and and two Victorian teams ended up there um, is a story in itself. Yeah. To to have arguably uh, the greatest of his generation, if not um, modern football, um, to play his last game in a grand final uh, and then to be injured in the first five minutes and then have two people concussed in the game is you, you couldn't. I mean, you could take magic mushrooms and ayahuasca and not get that creative to write a script like
0: this. Ayahuasca. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was just, it was so, so, so strange. Um, but, well, to be honest, like a lot, I mean, he was—he had his moments, he set up a few goals, he was okay, but, yeah, he was obviously so heavily hampered by that. A bit mm. more into the Cats, and then there's obviously a lot to discuss in Richmond too. But so, you know, Duncan, I thought, played a pretty good first half, was really directing traffic. That, that was good. It's funny, like, the way they were spreading, I felt, at times, and I want to raise this with you, and we can kind of do this in connection to this, but the way Geelong was spreading out of a stoppage at times looked slow, and it's something I want to talk about. And I definitely after three-quarter time, the Cats clearly looked pretty wrecked. Um, I, do you think that this just got... the Physically, they just sort of fell away in the end? I mean, like I I noticed even in the first half, there were moments where I can't remember the exact set play, but like they were, you know, I'm not LeBron I can tell you like all the elements of what happened with the ball, but like it spread away towards the fat side of the ground. There was a clearance. They got away. The gaps between them, what that, like the zone they were setting up to move forward was just too tight. It was too close. And it allowed Richmond to close in on it really quickly. And it didn't allow that spread for a further winger to get really any pace because they didn't get to that point quick enough to then be able to turn. Like there were little things like that where there were little signs early. What what do you think about them physically? Did you feel like they fell away in the end?
1: I uh, Yeah, I, I did. Um, again, I'm going to say it comes back to, to Richmond's pressure. You notice it all of a sudden there's no movement at stoppages and it's not yeah. just, it wasn't just Richmond, uh, Geelong on grand final. You go back and watch any game where a team's had the momentum uh, against the Tigers and all of a sudden that famous Tigers pressure comes on. All of a sudden the players at a stoppage are more concerned about their Richmond opposition than getting on the move and, and trying to make things happen. It's like that they go, oh, shit, we've, got to stop what we're doing um, and, and, and stop what they're doing Yeah. Uh, rather than being really proactive. And, I, and, and it's weird. I, 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 For weeks leading into the, um, the grand final, I thought that was the one thing that Geelong might have on any other team that's come up against Richmond is they don't usually get sucked into that. They continue to push their um, system and their game style. Again, when uh, Richmond had scored it behind, this um, fluency to, or this um, dare to go down the middle um, stopped all of a sudden. I was like, why all of a sudden on grand final day would you stop what you've been doing so successfully all year? And, yeah, whether that's the the pressure from Richmond or whether they just are mentally and physically drained um, by by that stage of the game, I I don't know. But it was very evident that um, those things that have been working all year for for Geelong so well started to slowly wane and there was only a handful of players, uh, Duncan, Selwood, um, Metagola to a lesser extent that continued to try and play their normal style of football, whereas the others, yeah. So I I think a little bit of what you said, I think a little bit of that... um, Long season um, conditions, whatever, just started to tire them physically. But I also yeah. think having to think what yeah. Richmond
0: were doing no, also a good just point. Them mentally as well. Yeah, it's a really good point because it's not like they. It's a, that's really good because it's not like they were gassed. That's what I was going to say. It's more that like where the other things have really taken. And that's the thing, like you know, Hardwick's spoken about after the. The hub, like he said, he didn't handle the hub well, which, you know, I think everybody really agrees. Like, But then as time went on, he got he got more used to it. I think he was sort of confused by, you know, the pandemic and corona. And, you know, he's quite a matter-of-fact kind of guy. And he was just like, you know, what is this disease? I don't get it and all that sort of shit. And it was really interesting discussion. But in terms of the Cats, it's not like they were gassed. Like, they had a really good first half. They should have been, They, as I said, they should have been up by 20 or 30 points, even with Dusty kicking that. Yeah. so anyway we'll keep keep moving but like the cats were marking it well but they were wasting their chances they were doing so much of it right it really came down to set shots uh, and then even though it, it it took a while for it to work the key for Richmond what really got them going was their back six they they finally figured it out post floston and as we said in the game short needed to play that role which he has in the past, with some assistance from Hooley and McIntosh, and it worked, and, and other other pieces because that's what Richmond do. But it 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 worked. And short, you called it like I think even halfway through the third quarter, or even earlier, you were like, "Short's going to finish one or two in in the norm," and that's where he ended up. He finished second, only behind Dusty. Yeah, it would have
1: been right. interesting. I, I yeah. think that last that fourth goal uh, <laughs> pushed Dusty um, over the line. Uh, from all the voters to to, to take it out, you kick four out of twelve goals and you have twenty one touches. Pretty pretty remarkable, I think. For for me, while while it might have been nineteen and three, it was up for debate because I mean, short was phenomenal. Uh, he was the only four quarter player for me um, for both teams. Yeah, maybe Dun- maybe Duncan. Uh, I don't reckon Duncan was as influential in the third. I think he dropped off just a little bit. Short- it was fantastic, all game, uh, for, for me. And obviously, almost eight hundred meters gain is ridiculous in yeah, seven
0: seventy one. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Any game, let alone a grand final. So again, it's crazy. Uh, what? Why isn't? Why isn't? Why isn't Chris Scott or one of the assistant coaches identified his influence on the on the game uh, and done something about it? Why didn't they um, realize that Bashahuli? Wasn't normal having his normal influence and and allow him to have a little bit more space and, and put more, more time to short. All these are, and they will obviously that's what you do post game as a, a match committee and a, and a coaching staff. You, you go back and analyse these types of things, but it just astounds me that it wasn't picked up at the time because short was right. yeah instrumental in um, Richmond ultimately. Getting ascendancy um, yeah. and not allowing, and not allowing um, uh, Geelong to to penetrate the forward half well, as well as they have previously.
0: There were little things that they were doing in the first half, first half that just they just stopped doing in the second half, and I just don't understand it. Like they were dress, so I mean, watching it again, they were dragging short consistently to the fat side. So making it harder for Richmond to come up with an option, like dragging way wide or even Mm. way into the skinny side, either way, so that they had less of an option to quickly exit. Because obviously once Richmond get it in their 50, like that's what Voston is. He just becomes rebound king, like in the NBA, like just, just rebound, rebound, rebound. Like it just becomes impossible to get past him. He's a brick wall, but without him, it was obvious what Richmond were doing and they it worked in the first half. It's just like what I was saying earlier around Hawkins. That was working with him in the ruck at times. It was shaking Nancurvis around. He wasn't performing as well against Hawkins because he's a massive brute and it was working. And then... For whatever reason, and Hawkins wasn't really effective up forward anyway. So I don't Dangerfield like he kicked that fantastic goal. You know, Menegola as well. Like they had their moments. Like I thought, it's, it's funny. Like and you said this too, and I thought exactly this as well. I think you flicked it through in a text. But Stewart um, had had he kept playing the way he was playing, like it felt like he was on track for the Norm Smith. He was he, he and Selwood were unbelievable in the first half.
1: Yeah, Stewart was playing Vlaston tight football. The they just couldn't get past him. He he was reading absolutely yeah. everything um, that came uh, there for the best part of uh, half of the, half of football. Um, yeah. But just going back on uh, Day Angefeld in again, yeah. we we saw very clearly at the start of the game. He still got a goal kicking deficiency. How he missed that goal directly in front early in the game will baffle me no end. Um, yeah, I, but anyway, that's that's like well, that's well and surely gone. I wouldn't have changed the game, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I know we've talked a fair bit about Geelong's deficiencies and, and their inability to change game plans. I, I, I don't want to take it away from the fact that they were very good um, for three, yeah. three big quarters of a game of football too, on, on the big stage. Um, yeah. A number of players stood up. I don't, I don't think too many could hang their head and say they didn't do what. Was asked to them. I, I thought as a team they played really well. They just came up against uh, arguably probably the top one of the top three teams the last twenty years easily.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and that's why I've wanted to talk about Geelong a bit in this as well because I think I mean, it's sad, but that's what sport does. But I, at the time, at least, let's talk about. We can forget about it in a few years, but at least at the time, let's talk about it in the way it was played because they were really in this. Like even you know, having a look at my notes now, like even Myers' goal. And then that Lambert response, which was amazing too. But, you know, the the pendulum was moving both ends. It wasn't just moving at one end at times. Lambert, I'd like to talk about too. Like he, God, he is a good player. And he is just so important to that side. There were a few moments, and I was frustrating, obviously, you know, uh, it's been annoying not being able to see Richmond live, you know, with football live, but, you know, to do bad for Richmond, so it would have been nice to see them live once. But, yeah. I, I, aside from any of that but like I love watching Lambert live because you often don't see a lot of what he's doing because it's off the, a lot of it's off the ball consistently in this game what I loved about him and I wanted to make this point was his ability to cover the corridor and not allow Geelong to use the corridor the way they were wanting to use it consistently is amazing and whenever they went to a wide shot it's like boom, there's Lambert Boom, there's Lamb. Every time, it's like, yep, there he is. Like, you, you, as soon as it goes to a wide shot, it's like, bingo. He's there again, ready to go in case shit happens into the, in the... It, like, he's just such an amazing player. And so I love, I love in this final series that he got those couple of goals against Port and he got a bit of his due because, like, you know, at least like a bit more sexy highlights because that's not sexy, you know, like that no, no disposal, nothing, nothing happens, but... It's super important to the structure and what happens on the ground, but it's not. It's not going to make sports centres top ten highlights. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's obviously no, it goes nothing. Back to, it
1: goes back to what you were saying earlier. I mean, just the role players, yeah. and he he's probably the best example. I mean, there's lots of examples at Richmond, but he's probably a very good example because you and I both rate him quite highly. Is his team first mentality um, yeah. and just. He's such a smart footballer. Shane Edwards is the same. Like nobody even talked about Shane Edwards, and he had 27 touches, like 27 <laughs> um, in a oh. grand final. He's unbelievable. I wrote so, him down a
0: couple of times. He's, he was very good. Yeah,
1: um, but yeah, it's what you can't see when you're watching a game of football on television. It's these types of players, and, and most teams have got two or three of them that yeah might not be the the flashiest or, or might not get their hands on the footy uh, 20, 30, 40 times in a game or kick four goals. They just set up structures really, really well, which yeah. allows some of these more highly skilled players in their team to to go off and do what they do, your dusties, your cochins your selwoods, your, your danger fields, etc So, you know, I I thought um, he, he played an extremely good role. Um, Baker. He's very similar down back for, yeah. for Richmond as well. He he just has a role to do and and he did it very very well. Um, yeah,
0: I, uh, a few other things on Richmond too. I mean, there's so much to talk about. But like Prestia's first goal, I thought he was really good. Um, obviously, Cochin had a fantastic game as well. Um, you know, Bolton I thought, as as you said, was was excellent. Um, what about like just actually before we keep going into the second half, but those idiots that ran on the ground too. Like this game was bonkers in the first like 20 or 30 minutes. There were so many strange things that happened. Like these two idiots like run onto the ground. Like it's been so long since we've had people run out. I I liked the jokingly like snobby Melbourne response. Like that wouldn't have happened at the G like that. You know, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Like, that was, it was just such a, there were so many surreal, bizarre, like this year, really. It was a very 2020 grand final. It had a lot of very, such bizarre moments. But, yeah, I mean, like, Geelong as well, like, they, they, they were good at times. And again, like, they really needed to stick to this, but they were really good at working the mismatches. So, like, Rioli ended up getting matched on, like, like, there was, like, a few incidences where they were creating mismatches really, really well. And I don't know why they didn't stick to that. It's funny. It's like Chris got in the box because he coaches from the box Is thinking we've just got to stick to the system, stick to the system. There were a lot of moments where they were not sticking to the system consistently. And I don't think that was necessarily the coaching group's fault at all. They needed to react to them not sticking to the system consistently. But obviously Richmond, huge fight back in the third quarter. Um, you know, the Cats did re. Bound a little bit, but it not really like it, it. There was not much in the way of Geelong in the third quarter. They had a pretty bad third quarter, really, in terms of a grand final. And I know C word in terms of sports harsh, but um, but I don't I don't know. Like the fourth quarter, obviously they completely fell away. But in the third quarter, yeah, I mean like as we've we've already spoken about it with danger, but. I don't, I don't know. Well, let's talk about something a bit different. But like Richmond have like crazily become a clearance team in the last few weeks. It's so strange. Like they're not a clearance side. You know Edwards obviously came back very late in the season. Prestia as well barely got back from his surgery. And like they just come in. It, this team's crazy. Like they just come in so last minute, flick a completely different switch, and it works. And it throw it completely through port and it completely threw the cats too. It was crazy. It was so bizarre that this worked. I mean what what did you think about that? I mean it was just so strange that, that this is something like you know Hawthorne, you know that that never really kind of played that so much and yet I, I wonder whether you know that that flick of the switch was a bit clarko and sort of inspired in a way like you know Hawthorne would do that from time to time and it would always throw terms because that's not the way they play. It, it felt un- like unorthodox. It was, yeah. What did you think about that? Oh, I don't
1: need to say anything, mate. You just literally said what I was about to say. Mm. But word for word, I was like, uh, without harping on about going back to Hawthorne, but that's exactly what yeah. Hawthorne did in almost all of their three big grand uh, premierships. Yeah. Um, and I were never known for, uh, yeah, being a contestant. Like, you go back and watch all the press conferences. It's like everyone would grill Clarkson on, oh, you lost a contestant. Uh, the contested ball count and you yeah, lost the clearances and he goes, yeah, but we won the game in 40, didn't we? And then on yeah grand final day or prelim all of a sudden those stats would be the opposite they they dominate centre clearances they dominate contested footy um, and that's it's the sign of a, a very well-drilled team, uh, a team that um, understands systems and can just flick from one to the other seamlessly as, as we noted uh, probably 15 minutes ago about why um, they don't, Richmond don't look as chaotic as someone like the Doggies is because they're quite seamless in moving uh, the pieces of the puzzle on the chessboard wow. at, at a time. So, yeah, it's, uh, look, they've got all the players to that. They, they could play any style of football. They've got that much talent across every line. Um, and I guess that's why they're so so hard to beat because it doesn't matter what the opposition throw at them; they've got a counter move to to deal with it.
0: What the other thing? To hundred percent, I agree. The other thing, like short, you are talking about short before, and his seven seventy-one meters game, which is like laughable. That's why I'm laughing. But like the other thing, to eighty-three kicking efficiency. I mean, like he he did exactly what we were like. He needs to do X, and which is like all well and good, but like then he goes ahead and does it, goes ahead and does it. Um, so the score at halftime three two to five five, which as we said really should have been like seven seven three. Like it, it really should have been a lot more for Geelong. But then from three two, Richmond finished the the third quarter with seven four. It's accuracy. It like it's the most undersold element of football by far. Like by as far as you can kick your hat. This is it. it this is the thing. Versus six, eight, more points. It like it, it's it. It's so. It's what makes our sport so fascinating. In that it's not like basketball, where I know obviously, like you know, with the way it's played nowadays, particularly with you know three pointers, but. You know, I know, like, it's not like from, from two to three obviously is not that much of a gap. From one to six is massive. It's just the reality. Like, it's it's a bizarre game. And when people that don't know our game learn that, they're like, wow, that's, that's shit ass to get a point. Like, it's nothing. It just does almost nothing. So, like, it's 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 so, like, it just shows, like, how on the big day, how important it actually is. Like, I, I, you know, it can't go unsaid. Like, if, if they convert more... And this is the thing, it's it's crazy. Like, it's another year where, and this happened last year with Jeremy Cameron. He won the Coleman. We get to the grand final. Accuracy kills them. And Richmond run away with it. Tom Hawkins wins the Coleman. Accuracy kills him in the grand final. Like, it's crazy. It's just, again, like, it's all well and good to do it during the year. But you've got to do it when it matters. And that's why I think you know, people that put Dusty and Danger on the same pedestal, that's over. You can't... That argument's crazy now. It, it it just doesn't stand up. We've been saying this for 12 months now, but now, like, you can't argue it anymore. Like, Danger's lost too many big games. Like, he's he's a very, very good player, but his massive deficiency is is in front of goal. And it's just... It's it's happened too many times now. I mean, what do you think? Like, we can talk about the Dusty Pantheon thing if you want to do it now, but, like, I I... I I think he's passed him clearly. What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, And this was always going to be that game if Dusty had a game like he did. um, It clears the way, Joe. This is no disrespect to Dangerfield. Dangerfield's an unbelievable footballer, but he does have a glaring um, deficiency in front of goal and especially directly in front on a set shot, which when you see him kicking – on the run, he's it's it's a dead eye, dick kick. Um, and for someone who's so talented in every other aspect, you wonder what is wrong when he's in front of goal. You put him in the pocket, you almost back him eight times out of ten. Yeah. Put him in front of the goal, I was like fifty-fifty mm, well, goal here, Best. Fascinatingly, whereas Dusty, sorry, go. Yeah. Whereas Dusty, you backing him every time he's got the footy within. Uh, kicking distance of goal Regardless of the angle
0: 100% Sorry to cut you off The, the, the other thing too Is like And this was fascinating And I watched this In, in the second time round It's so It's so crazy That, that Richmond actually Tried this stuff It's very Hawthorne and and, and and just crazy Right But they actually I honestly wonder You know normally Like so with Tom Hawkins Right They would drag him wide To force him To score from From a harsher angle Dangerfield kicked those two ridiculous bananas in in the prelim, right? He kicked those two ludicrous bananas against Mm. Brisbane, right? I honestly wonder, and I don't obviously know this, but in watching it, there are moments where I'm like, are you dragging Danger to the 50, but pretty much directly in front? Like, there are moments, I know that's very tinfoil hat, but I'm like, because it seems like a ludicrous thing to do. But I was like, is this actually something they're doing? Like, it honestly yeah. looked like that was actually something that they were doing. There were not heaps of moments, but there were a couple of moments where I was like, that's strange. Like, it looked like that's yeah. exactly what the Richmond defence wanted to happen if he was to mark, to score at 50-odd out directly in front, which is bonkers that deficiency has gotten so guess, cancerous or clear, yeah, <laughs> either of the Cs, where now he it, it's in a scenario where is this a good idea to, to, to play to Russian roulette it, You know, like it's very, it's just, it was, it's bizarre in thinking about it. I was like, is this, I'm like, am I going mad? But I was like, I actually honestly think this been a lockdown for a while, but I'm like, this seems like something they're wanting to happen if he is to market. Cause as you say, his skill set's amazing. His his marketing ability is ridiculous. And this is and like, that's the thing. Putting him where matters. I know Richmond, uh, Geelong would love Jeremy Cameron there right now. And that's why I'm an advocate for the mid-season trade. Jeremy Cameron looked disinterested. He looked um, completely sick of being at GWS. And he looked gone. Guess what? He looked gone. He looked like he wanted to leave. So why keep him there? Why? Like, yeah. they, why not trade him mid-year? I don't understand why we don't do this. I really hope... I know that we, we obviously don't want to... It's not about it being an American sport thing. It's not not that at all. It's... it's it's Why? that's It wasted him there. Like, the Giants might have had a better chance going into finals without him because he was terrible. He didn't want to be there. He clearly looked disinterested. So, anyway, that's a separate conversation. But, like, you know, I know they don't have that other option because for whatever reason, they're not that confident in Rowan, which is... That, that, that's another weird scenario. Like, Rowan was terrible again in another final and... Who knows what's going on? There's obviously a lot of rumours going on about Rowan. I don't want to bring them out so much publicly because who knows, they could be completely rumours. But it's very strange what's going on. But they want to back Dusty in that, uh Danger in that role. But then, like, they're getting cut up in the centre. He's got so much ability in that part of the ground. Why are they not doing it? Like, it, it just, it's, it's, like, yeah, it's so frustrating. Um, but then, like, I thought, you know, there was a couple of interesting battles as well. I quite like Baker versus Dalhouse. There was a couple of those little moments. That that was pretty cool, um, you know.
1: Especially in, this, um, in the latter half of the third and, yeah. and in the fourth quarter, like it showed like he <clears throat> he didn't obviously have the impact on the scoreboard that Geelong would want. But I, I thought Dalhouse um, showed his finals experience amazingly well. I really enjoyed that uh, that matchup, and Dalhouse yeah. in particular in the last quarter along with a couple of other players did everything in his power to try and get um, get his team back in, back in. He's, he was f- tackling ferociously. He was um, running quite quite hard as well. I'd love to have seen his heat map in the last quarter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and look, no, I can't talk about Baker highly enough. I, I think again, he's quite an underrated player at Richmond. Yeah. Uh- He's, well, in AFL, he's not underrated. That Richmond don't give him They all or rating highly. I think. I think it was yeah. Jack Rewitz that he's his favourite player earlier in the
0: year. Well, let's talk about Jack because we haven't discussed Jack at all. Jack, obviously, really, let's be honest, came into the grand final a bit of a stinker. You, you made a prediction in the grand final preview. You said, "No, nah, no, nah, he, he'll he'll come good in the grand final," and you were right. He he was really good. I think I think he was better than Lynch. Uh, yeah, I think. They over uh, interest. Uh, oh, I need to kind of go over it a bit again. But in looking at the game a couple of times, it really did feel like Geelong over defended Lynch. And I know it's like, well, but then he gets off the chain. But then at the same time, they didn't. It's hard because Richmond have so many options. So I can kind of see where they're coming from. Lynch is so dangerous, and Rewat was in bad form. But this, you called it. This is the recipe that was, you know, ready to go. This was the. You know, it it was exactly as you said. You were like, yeah, they'll 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 overlook after Lynch, which gives Rewalt more options with with only one defender on him, and it gives their small. I mean, castania's goal was amazing too. But like, what did you think of Rewalt's goal? I
1: liked it. Um He took a little while to get into the game, but key, some key forwards do, <clears throat> especially the way the game started. It was obviously quite a tussle between the two arcs for a while there and then the stop and the reset and all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always – can, and it's just from observation um, when you've got two key forwards. And, yes, Lynch can dominate games, but like Hawkins at the other end, he has also shown during the final series that he can dominate but not hurt you on the scoreboard. And I think you're better off – spreading your, your wealth and protecting both forwards and yeah. putting as much time into both, knowing that <clears throat> this time last year Jack kicked four or five in the grand final after having a quiet final series. And he he he's such a professional that he's not going to play. It happened during the year as well. He, he had about a month of bad so-called bad football and out of form. And then all of a sudden he bobbed up and kicked four goals in one game or three goals or whatever it was, and everyone's oh, he's back. So good players don't stay down for too long. They, no. they just, they, they will themselves. It was like the Selwood, I think it was Selwood, the goal, the commentators were saying he's too far out. And then one of them said, but he's got willpower. He's I, got the will. Yeah. And he keeps he, he, he it easily. These yeah. players just on the big stage when their whole career, their whole life is about winning Premiers, Ships. They don't care about the money. They don't care about any of the other stuff. And this is why the, the Revolts and the Selwitz and, and, the, and the, the Ilk are set the rest. Uh, they'll they'll go down in folklore as great players, as, as great clubmen, um, universally loved by fans, regardless of who you barrack for, because they turn up when the game's on the line. I, I thought Jack was fantastic. He played a very smart Role, he found enough for the football, yeah, and obviously he bobbed up with some goals as well, which really really helped them,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he definitely turned it, turned it around to say the least. He was yeah. he was very very good. I thought Broad really stood up as well. It's going to be very interesting in the trade period because he's really one that some clubs have definitely inquired about. Uh, he's done out of contract, but yeah, the, the rumor say,
1: is Richmond well, Rich probably want to keep him now. Well, the, uh,
0: the rumor is proof, he's, he's yep. going to he'll stay that's the talk but um, what were you going to say sorry I was
1: going to say especially now that Basher is probably 50-50 on retirement
0: I think Um, he's going to play on I think he'll get another contract it sounds like today but yeah yeah, he may be with numbers they
1: still haven't released final numbers list numbers um, well, you're going to like
0: this. Can I tell you something? It sounds yeah. like that it got was reported today. It sound I saw someone, one of the AFL journalists that like smokes the AFL's poll and just absolutely loves them. I think it was Tom Brown tweeted. Of course, yeah, very, very which is which is very um, on brand. He was like yeah. um, interesting that uh, I'm not verbatim right, but like his tweet was like interesting that the. Uh, <laughs> not verbatim, that the AFL um, will not probably won't have the information available prior to the trade period, you know, blah, blah, blah. It'll be interesting for clubs to see how they manage things, not knowing what they've got to spend. And I'm like, interesting. How about embarrassing? Like, this is meant to be a professional sport. This is a joke. How can we... um, We'll go into this obviously a lot more when we do our trade period episode next week, but like... Um, am i going crazy i was like what are you talking about like like this is terrible like that this is like it's like going to a casino with a empty wallet that supposedly has money in it but who knows like it's like i don't know like like it's it's crazy it's like what are you what how can this work what is holding it up what's holding it up what are we waiting for are they waiting for a massive sponsor sign that if they get it then all of a sudden that's the only thing I can think of is that like they've got like Nike on the hook or they've got like, I don't know, Michael Jordan or like shoes or some shit. Like I'm talking rubbish, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like have they got like, you know, a massive like- marketing deal that would heavily increase the TPP? Like how can if, they not know?
1: And if that's the case, why are they allowing the free agency and trade to proceed yeah. on time? It, dozen- it
0: It's crazy. <laughs>
1: And no, no cap, um, no captains, no coaches, no administration from clubs are kicking up and making a big enough noise about. I just don't know how these teams are supposed to operate and, and, and understand what they're, they're playing with. Like, uh, it's like and to tie that in with the the, the Basher thing. Like, yeah, I, I still think it'll only drop to about forty-two. So it might be two last players. But let's just say worst-case scenario, like. A lot of players, people thought months ago, down at 38, I think Bashka would put his hand up to retire. So that some of the young—that's just him, and that's what—that's I that's the vibe I get from him. He would put his hand up to For say, my "Look." Bet. I've had have had a good run. I've got I've got flags and I've got a young family. Uh, time to step away from the game. But if it's forty two, that th- he'll get the extension. He's been pretty bloody good.
0: The good thing with Rich, 100 percent. The good thing with Richmond as well is that um, oh, this sounds like a ridiculous statement in some respects. But like the the good thing, but like the funny thing, I guess, with Richmond or the ironic thing with Richmond is with those two bozos, um, Sydney Stack and I can't remember his name that left In the, the right hub man. old mate that left the hub and, and fucked around getting servers the old mate tall suva not 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 stack he's straight up gone so they already got one they can get rid of immediately they don't have to like mm, maybe it could turn good they just go well it just looks like we're setting standards and do you know what i mean like it's it's not good for him obviously but he shouldn't have left the hub um interestingly speaking of that it was interesting hearing um you should everyone should watch the um the interview with uh Grimes on the Sunday Footy show. That was fantastic, it was really interesting. And he was saying that it's actually a very rare you see like a very good player interview um in in modern, you know, well not necessarily modern, but like, you know, in mainstream A for media, but he was really revealing and he said, Oh, when they left the hub, these two idiots, he didn't say that, but you know, these guys left the hub, he was like that was our lowest point. It was really interesting, like he was quite revealing, but anyway, but just in terms of the Richmond list, like that's, they can admit, I don't know what they'll do with Stack. Um, that's going to be interesting because he's got some potential, but it's interesting because it looks like Higgins might go, but then so maybe they do need Stack. But then Cassania might've finally come good. I don't know. You always want to have a few extras, but you can't give everybody. But anyway, we're getting, getting knee deep into the trade period already, which um, is going to be fun to discuss, but just back to the final game. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I agree um, with you, what you were saying before. Um, Jack was, was fantastic. And just on Hawley, we were speaking about a minute ago. Like, for him to play, even the kind of a, you know, he had a good game, not a great game, but he had a good game. And then to find out later he did his calf, only a few minutes into the game, it was like, he said it was two minutes before Vlostom was injured. So yeah, it's no, literally no. like three minutes into the game. <laughs> yeah, well, we he probably
1: wanted want to come off and then saw his teammate get knocked out and went, oh, I've only done a little calf.
0: Well, he spoke to kind of, kind of nothing really he spoke to hardwick at halftime and hardwick was like no, if no. you can play i really need you to play like <laughs> I, I need you to get out there and do what you do because you do what and now can't do so i need you to do bits of that anyway so that that was you know kind of adds to all the and we'll hear more and more stories i'm sure as the um
1: oh, yeah
0: as they come out um the other thing too, like another thing we should talk about, and this kind of like it maybe fuels the, the kind of narrative around them being Geelong being a bit wrecked, but they the tackle count is not great reading. Like they're down about 20-odd tackles from... It, it's like seventy odd to fifty odd. So Which is very underlong. It's underlong and it's also you're right, but the other thing too is it's 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 ungrand final. You don't wanna be doing that. You wanna you know, you wanna keep putting that pressure on obviously as much you, as physically possible. You didn't wanna be in front or within
1: sort of ten under ten tackles of the opposition.
0: And to to echo what you were saying earlier about Dusty and that ridiculous, that outrageous fourth goal, and we'll get into you know Dusty's game was obviously mind blowing. That third goal was disgracefully good, and then the fourth goal was one of the. I think that like you know I, from people's conversations today about how great grand, grand final goals are. I have grand final. They had great that grand final was. Sorry, I I don't. As we said at the start, I don't think it was an all time grand final, but. That was a ridiculous goal. Like that, that, that's one of the better grand final goals. I would say that, and the, his fourth one was crazy. But like danger in in that we were saying before about him, you know, danger not being able to lay the tackle. They missed a lot of tackles, and that that's partly why the numbers are down. Like Richmond's mm. ability to zigzag through various structures is is you know not to be you know um, missed. Um, but yeah, look, I. I the other thing, like, a few little bits and pieces, but, like, there was a 30... There was almost a... Th- I know because of the, the injury, but there was a 30-minute gap when Richmond between a Richmond goal when Dusty got his first, which was just before the... Um, Half-time. Half-time, which is a long time. And that, again, like, really highlights just how long this kind of went wayward. And it really did feel like, Geelong, were going to win this. Um, but, yeah, like, like just a really kind of, like put a a stamp on it, but we spoke about Dusty before. Let's just discuss, let's go into Dusty a little bit now. Um, So Dustin Martin, he scores, so grand final, right? So 2017 grand final, Dustin Martin, 29 disposals, two goals, nine score involvements. 2019 grand final, 22 disposals, four goals, eight score involvements. 2020 grand final, 21 disposals, four goals, Nine score involvements. Yeah. Wow.
1: I just want to do it the big day.
0: Dustin Martin, 2019 to 2020. So just the, the, the back to back set shots four one on the run, three zero snaps 11 one. And that one was that cheeky banana that he tried the inside out banana that he tried that didn't work
1: on the ground. Yeah. Just yeah. On, yeah. Yeah.
0: Just gone. And Mark's, play on just the one goal but the total score 19-2 in finals in grand wow. finals just in grand finals that's it That's that's 19 oh no that's that no. must be final so you're right that's final it I was finals, say. Finals. No, no. <laughs> don't no, do no, no. Do think he's <laughs> been no, no no that I for a minute close. I was I nearly convinced myself but no no you're right but close close yeah. he has it's not that far off yeah it's 10 10 grand finals is it 4-4 and 2 yeah, sorry. Yeah, ten, 10 goals in grand finals. Sorry, apologies. You're right. Um, that's that's that's. Excuse the French, and if the kids are there, block their ears. It's fucked. That's fucked. that's <laughs> another ridiculous one for you. From beyond thirty meters, just generally, he's eight and zero. So let's let's talk Martin. So we we need to discuss this um, to set the the scene. Lee Matthews said to on Sunday on the Sunday Footy Show the comparison to Dustin Martin. He said. Is one of the very, very few that he doesn't think is a silly comparison. You know, Lethal's got some shtick, and he's happy to admit that he's a—he's absolutely one, one of the all-time goats. And well, I think he probably is the, the best player <laughs> in history. But so, and that's obviously huge, huge credit from Lethal. He's like he—he he is one of the very, very few that I've got up there. So. Yeah. We'll talk about the Richmond Pantheon in a second, but just purely Dusty. I guess, firstly, where where do you think he stands all time now in the game? And then in connection to that question, where do you, well, maybe start with this. Before we go all time, where do you think he stands in, in the modern era? And by modern, let's say from 2000 onwards. So we've got 20 years now. So in the last 20 years, where do you think he stands you know, against you know, Jard Voss top obviously three. was excellent in that top top three top three. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think I think he got to stand and have a chat with the other two in my top three after the game. Well, that that <clears> was an Hodge, amazing moment. Being, Hodge, being Hodge and Voss,
0: that was an incredible moment, and obviously it's yeah. Ablett's moment just before that. That's the four. They're they're the four. That's the four. They're the four. Yeah, yeah it was crazy, yeah. and that we've just seen off Ablett. And then now we've got Voss and um, Hodge with Dusty. I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's the four.
1: And the reason I have Ablett at four and not in the three, and then the other three have it all, they all played the in dynasties. Whereas yeah. Ablett left a potential Cats dynasty. Um, While well, he's got all their individual accolades, he, he doesn't have the same um, brilliance that all three of them showed in all the grand final wins uh, Hodge was great in all four probably wasn't great in the 08 flag but he was serviceable but he was brewing in their three-peat, Foss was brewing in their three-peat and obviously Dusty's got three norms from three uh, just sums up those the, the as three but yeah Albert in the four and then the debate of three or four players for fifth um, from 2000 onwards. There's, there's a lot of players I've not I could have at fifth Bartel,
0: Judd. I'd have Judd at five. Gun to Sam the head. Went. I've got Judd at five. Sorry, at yeah. Sandlands. Yeah, there's heaps. Sorry. There's so there's many heaps.
1: Yeah, but those those four those four for me are clearly Clear ahead four. of everyone else. Yeah, from two thousand onward. Um, and then when it comes to the greatest of all time, oh, oh, I'm going to take the coward. Well, I'm not the coward. It's going to take the the. Um, can't take it of to the work that I want, um, but I'm going to wait till I've seen complete body of work. Well, Cause just now, now that blitz Junior has retired, yeah, I, I have him above his old man. I really so I didn't like. I to say that.
0: We need to do this episode. We spoke about it a few like probably two years ago. We spoke about doing a goat episode, like a discussion of like all timers, and I, re- I really want to do it at some point because I, I I like to pick your brain on that, and I think you've got um, a a really interesting way of describing it. But in terms of... I'll ask you this question. I, I agree with Dusty, right? I don't want to see it to the end because I, I think they'll still win another one. But in terms of... Because they're still so young and we'll get into that in a minute in terms of Richmond Pantheon. But like, so I agree with you with that four, definitely. I think the biggest thing with Dusty is in 2017, I think that probably should have gone to Hooley. I think Hooley had a better game. I think... And he was only like two points... He, so he came runner-up to Dusty twice in 17 and 19. But I think in 17, he was literally like two points off. I think he got it. And I'm not discrediting that. all. He was fantastic and he deserves it. But in 2017, I think Hooley probably should have got it. I think Dusty might have just picked him because of his gravitas. Who he was, a bit more sexy in terms of the what he did in the game, all that sort of stuff, right? And I, I, I get that, but it is what it is. You know, Johansson won it in in 16, so I kind of felt like that Hawley would get it, but then it it didn't happen, so it is what it is. But the fact that he's got three now and two clear wins, like I know, and it's funny because I know I I said before, history forgets it, and it will. Absolutely. Like in decades time, when, you know, my child asked me about Dustin Martin, you know, I'll probably have forgotten it by then. But the point is that with... You know, when you look at Rusty now with three, it's it's undisputed because there's a few people that would have been like, well, he does have two norms, but then you know, 17 probably should have gone to Hawley, and I can so I can slightly see that argument. It's not it's not a bad argument, but now he's got three, it's undisputed because even if you want to say that about 17, 19, and 20, he's clearly the the best in those two games. A- absolutely no way no way out that. And then – so it probably puts him above – the Norm's a funny one because, you know, Lethal wasn't there to get Norm's, all all that stuff. So it's a bit of a weird award. But, like, Gary Ayres and Hodge and these guys that have won two, um, McLeod as well. The fact that he's got three now and one that where he was, you know, know, 17, obviously, he won it, like, could have gone the other way. But then to have the three, I think, puts him above – it puts him above – or with those guys, absolutely. And in terms of from 2010 till now, I think Dustin Martin, it's just like the most gifted player in that time I've seen is definitely Gary Ablett Jr. But I think Hodge and Dusty, probably equal now, are the two most impactful and impressive and finals and all that stuff players. Because Hodge, Hodge, I don't know, like for a while there I was like, maybe Hodge pips him It's two flags versus four. I know Hodge wasn't as good in 08, but it still is two flags versus four. But now Dusty's got three. It's a lot. I don't know. I I think it becomes a lot more even now as well. I I think that's the clear almost equal at one. If Dusty wins another one and gets four and then he's got three norms and he's that damaging and he's been that consistent... And, and his scores are that high in finals as well. I think he then becomes the best player of the last decade. If 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 he's to go a little bit further, I think then then it, then he gets there. He's the number one. Yeah, if he
1: does that, well, he, then he eclipses Hodge because he's got a brown lot as well. Mm, Whereas exactly. that's what keeps yeah. Voss. That's what keeps Voss in the conversation. Is he's got the. I mean, but that's just arguing, from twenty ten. You can argue talking. that you can argue that Voss and Hodge were captains though. Yeah, 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 I don't get that. And I get That's that. That's a whole other story. Yeah, but I, I agree. Look, if he, if he wins another premiership, he, I mean, he's going to go down regardless. Oh, he's a legend his, of the game. Yeah, yeah by the time he's pre finishes, I mean, if he ends up being a 300, 350-game player, uh, wins another flag, um, wins... This is an interesting thing. He's probably only got one Tigers BNF, which is astounding, which a lot of these greats don't uh, tend to have. Mm. Like, I don't think... I think Hodge has only got two maybe three criminals medals yes two um yeah uh, I guess that's the difference now with um when you look at someone like Lee Matthews for for those who are not familiar with the older players he's got like eight women's
0: medals eight. eight BNFs, eight in, 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 in BNFs. they won five flags in that time or four flags yeah. in the time he was at the club
1: yeah I, but he definitely uh every year uh dusty keys um uh, taking people off that ladder of uh, best of uh, best players of all time, whether it's in the modern game, um, in his generation, or in the bigger picture of all time, he he continues to uh, leapfrog and evolve. And I look even to um, soften his stance on media interviews post grand final. I think that again elevates his his state, status in the game. I was always going to be a little thing for me personally that as a great. Um, that can tarnish your reputation once you retire from football. Yeah. Well, there's so many players that, I mean, Gary Ablett, this is why he's shunned by the AFL, the senior, because he didn't do any media interviews. He yeah. avoided the media of regardless of sure. how good he was. Yeah. And people remember that. It's like, well, we pay to come and watch you play and the media are part of what makes AFL big. You shun them. You kind of don't look that good afterwards. So, uh, and well, I had that conversation with a couple of players
0: Yeah, well Ablacini also has had some incidents as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's that too, and there's
1: other players that we like, but it's just unheard of in big sports around the world. That's part of being an elite athlete. Do you media access and bad luck?
0: The AFL, and we've discussed this before. The AFL has been living with a gun under its pillow around this ridiculous scenario where the players have been absolutely taking the piss. And we've said this repeatedly. We've done, probably haven't mentioned this for a bit over a year, but we, we used to really bang on this one in that, like, they want more money, but then they don't want to do more media. And I think the AFL's finally more recently, in the more recent McLaughlin years, he's just said, under Dimitri, it was hilarious. Like, they were being taken for an absolute ride, the AFL, the which was hilarious. It was funny, but it was also stupid. In that you know, in, you and I watch a lot of other sports and bigger sports, and we were like, "This is a joke." And they want more money and want to go more pro, but then they don't want to do any media. So I hundred yeah, percent, I completely agree with you. Um, they've got to do more. But I think yeah, you're right. I think Dusty spoke well. I thought, I thought his Brownlow speech was really good. Purely as a side yeah, note, right. great, but great um, that Bruce handled that really well. Um, but I think because um, he's very hard to interview. But I think they, I think having Voss there. And Hodge, two real yep. serious goats. I really like that Seven did that. I, I, I don't want to turn that's this a, into a carry bashing hour, but I would. No, but I would love. Right. Yeah. Sorry. You've go, got to go. get the right people. Yeah.
1: Looking to chat with, and and, and that's 100%. fine. I don't. He's not going to chat to your your Browns and your Barretts and, and these flog commentators, journo's, who just want to dig and dig and dig and, dig and, and find dirt or just. Don't want to talk about football. Get someone like your Vost or Hodge or um Jimmy Bartel, someone who actually played at the elite level understands it and he'll be happy to chat to him. Swanee was the same.
0: I thought the special comments from Voss were fantastic. And I he's a star. Yeah, star. And I I have to say, I I, we spoke of this before. I I you know I don't love Kerry as a commentator. I, I think for a whole raft of reasons, but I think it's a shame because they obviously, you know, I get why because they're in Queensland. But that that you know, to sub in Voss for Seven. I mean, they've made a lot of mistakes. Seven, not their number one, not going after Narrowly Meadows. The the by far like in the top two or three hosts becomes available. Foxtel for some like like crazy reason let her go. She's unreal. You have a. Panel filled of men who are really many, and it's like this is a perfect way for to get some diversity. She knows the game back to back, she speaks extremely well. She knows, like, it, it would it, I can't, yeah. it, I'll never understand that for the rest of my life. Like, you know, they've got Foxtel with Sarah Ollie, who's outstanding, and they had a perfect opportunity to get this right, and they completely screwed it up. And that, I, I'll never ever understand why that fell away. And I've, I've said that a couple of times and flagged her into tweets and stuff. And we've we should actually get her on. That would be good to do. I'd be fascinated to actually do an interview with her, but that's a completely separate conversation. But the point is that, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't understand why Seven don't lean more into, you know, diversifying their panel. Anyway, that's a whole separate point. But yeah, Voss with Dusty was great. I thought Dusty spoke very well. um, I agree with you, that's improved just to wind back with him now, I think the pendulum changed with two really key things. So I think now there's no doubt he is the best player currently playing in the game. I, I can't under, I can't see how anyone could argue, no, it's this, it's that. Dusty, right now currently playing the game of yep. all the 700 odd players, It's dusty. Totally agree. And every now and then, like, and there was a time, obviously, he didn't make All-Australian last year and people were like, which was ludicrous, but it is what it is. Like, I know he was injured through the first half of the season, whatever, but, like, he's the best player in the game again. No doubt about it. Go away. If you have an argument around any other direction, there's no doubt. So that's the first thing. The second thing is from 2010 to 2020, through the last 10 years, (coughs) you can mount an argument. He's the best player in that 10 years. You can. And and it, I yeah. I am not sure it's there yet, but I think he's sitting at the table with Hodge, which is incredible. To because he, you know, captained them through that period where they won the 08 flag. He wasn't as good in 08, but still very good. Came up, well, he wasn't captain then, but like came in after that you know, after with Mitchell grew and then and then set up the three peat and won two norms and was incredible in I think all three grand finals so and um, can I just
1: speak just so please about, no, no, yeah um, listeners are clear when Trent and I talk about our best players we, we're talking about not what what they've being able to do collectively in a team, a successful team, as yeah. well as individuals. So people will argue, oh, Pendlebury and it's, well, yeah, Pendlebury's got one flag. It's not at It doesn't have three. Yeah. In, and, and don't get me wrong, when we talk about skillful players, oh, that's a separate that's conversation. It's, yeah, it's a whole different conversation. I know a lot of people have come and said, oh, how can you miss this play and this play? So, well, oh, just to be clear, when we talk about our best, we're talking about a, first of all, their influence on the game and what they bring individually, but also in a successful team, how do they then step to the next plateau and the next level, which in particular the two that we mentioned, Voss and Hodge, not only do they play brilliantly year in, year out for, their, for years on end, when it comes to the biggest stage, they've been able to catapult their influence on those games to the next level, which a lot of other players, even though they might be more skillful, yeah. haven't been able to do. It. And I'm going to mention him. Gary Ablett is a prime example of that. Yeah. He hasn't really been that good in any of the grand finals he's played in, in my opinion, compared to what he's done throughout his career.
0: 100%. And I think it's good that you mentioned that. I was going to say that earlier because, yeah, we get – not attacked, but we get, like, people are like, oh, how can you not have um, – how can you have Hodge over – like, people think I'm crazy when I – honestly, which I don't understand. I think I think maybe – I don't know whether it is because of the – you know, that I follow, like, American sports and other sports that look at it differently. I think that might be part of it, but I don't really understand. Like, people think I'm mad when I'm like, I, I have Hodge over Abla, and they're like – as in junior, they're like, that's crazy. And I'm like, I have, like, I I I won. There's no doubt Gary Ablett Jr. is a more gifted player than Luke Hodge. He is. There is no doubt about that. He is. He has, He's more gifted. But that's not enough. The numbers matter. That's the reality. That's why Michael Jordan is the greatest player in NBA history. The numbers matter matter. You can't. And that's
1: why so many people have Scottie Pippen right up there. Yes. Even though he doesn't have the individual accolades. He got he got five
0: rings, six rings. What I can't understand is what I what, AFL fans Robin. Yeah. What I can't understand is AFL fans don't seem to get get this a lot of the time i don't understand whether it's a cultural thing i don't get it i'm born here and i don't understand it but it's very like we team sport. Well, we play we, a team we, sport exactly that's what i can't understand we are playing a team sport
1: so much so much owners on the individual accolades still I and it's like but the flags the only the, only the only faction player, yeah like lochie neal said it perfect he goes oh, i'm not gonna Disregard the brownlow. I'd rather have a flag, or better yet, I'd rather have both in the same year. And I name a player that wins a brownlow that wouldn't prefer a flag. They all say it. They'd all of rather us. give up their brownlow for a, for a premiership medallion. And so, I, and I, I get frustrated because I'm like, you, I have a lot of players that play multiple premierships higher than people who got individual accolades. Like, sorry, Shame Shane And won a brownlow. He ain't even in the top 500 players of all time.
0: Here's, here's a good one for you, and I yeah, I hundred We, you and I are like completely aligned on this. I cannot understand this. The, the just two things, like the ring arguments, which is kind of a, a thing in NBA conversations around the goat conversation, and the only people that aren't on board with you know the the ring argument, which is the the story of that. You know, the reason why Michael's the best is that he, you know, won the three peat, obviously went away, and then won another three peat. Like it's so insanely damaging through a six, seven year period. And then, you know, the only people that aren't on board with that are crazy LeBron fans. And I love that are like, doesn't matter, yeah, LeBron's clearly better. And it's like, I I, I love LeBron, he's he's a top five player ever. He's unbelievable. But It still matters. I know now he's got one with the Lakers and it's great. He's got his fourth, but he needs more. He simply needs more to be at the table with with Jordan. And I just don't understand how with AFL, why we don't, you know, rate this. And, you know, I'll I'll say something connecting to what you were saying as a second point. Dusty's two norms, even before this game, are worth more than Ablett's five MVPs. In my opinion, yep. that's the reality. Okay. I, I don't care. Like it's all. It's great that you that he was. He was so damaging, but he will regret that decision for the rest of his life. He tried to get back. Even in so he he went to the Suns in 2011. By 2015, 16, he was already there. Was already talk okay. of him coming back. He was already trying to get back. The reality is in 20 like 15, 14, like he was talking to. Liam Pickering trying to get him back. He it was a mistake. It, it'll burn him for the rest of his life, and this is why, like, it's it's was hard to watch on on the weekend the this situation because it he's always gonna be and he's an, a mind-blowing player. He's probably the most gifted player that I've seen. I didn't see senior, uh well, I didn't say I saw senior at the back end of his career, but I didn't see lethal specifically. But like you know we're in a situation where Gary he, he was in a team that was unbelievable and he, le- he left and that's that's it that's sad but it is what it is they went on and won without him and that hurts he, that hurts his overall career and that's why i think you've got to have Hodge above him and now i think there's no doubt that Dusty is Dusty above him as well i don't know maybe and that's the thing, if it keeps going, eventually by the end of his career, we might turn around and well, you and I particularly might turn around and say, it's four versus it's two, gone. even three versus two. It's like, well, it's a, it's another one. But if Duff, mm-hmm. if Richmond win another one, it starts to become too difficult. And that's the problem with, and that's why like, you know, with, and I, it's so important and it's so strange in our sport that it's not considered more. We play a team sport. That's all we're playing for. We're playing for flags. None of it matters. All we're playing for is flags. That's all that matters. And with LeBron winning his fourth, it was super important for me because he passes Larry Bird. He gets a little bit closer to Magic Johnson. It, like, that's the thing. Like, he passes the guys that are on three. That's important to me. Like, mm-hmm. he's, it, it's part of the conversation. Like, I was never that... Like, he's clearly more gifted than Larry Bird. I don't disagree with that. He's incredible, but I was like, well, he still sits on 3. I, I I don't I'm just not convinced that you know there's other players that have more. I was always like I know it's not the total part of the argument, but it has to be discussed. I'll never understand why people can't include that, but anyway. It's a long long frustration of you and I's, but so yeah, look, all the best Ablett. I I hope things, you know, go well, but yeah, crazy game, uh, obviously so much In there, um, you know, the straight inside 50s for Richmond just got it done in the end. That third quarter, it it made it, even though it felt, it's funny, like, it felt like Geelong should have been way further ahead at halftime, but then three-quarter time, it felt like Richmond, there was no way they were going to lose Yeah,
1: Yep, the old premiership quarter was back in uh, full swing for for Richmond in the third, that's for sure, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it dominated, and
1: that's all they needed. Four goals. was it four goals to one or four goals to two? Something like that. yeah. Just, just uh, swung the pendulum in their favour, and then uh, continued on. Continued on with that uh, early in the in the fourth, and by that stage, as happens in grand finals, once the margin becomes just a little bit too much, the opposition just starts to fall fall away a little bit.
0: Pickett was fantastic as well. I thought that was really impressive. yeah, he was he yeah. just generally... It
1: definitely proved any doubt I was wrong in the back half of this year. Yeah. um of his ability to play at the elite level.
0: The reason yeah. I bring it up is that we were a bit critical, but I think he, he, came, yeah. he came good in the end, I think, definitely. Absolutely. Um, just very briefly, because on, on, we better get going, but on Richmond, um, we spoke a lot about... Like, where, where do you see... I know we spoke a little bit about it with that sauce thing at the start, but... Do you, so do you think Richmond now definitely sits with the Brisbane team from 01 to o3 You think they sit with Hawthorne, Geelong? We spoke in text a little bit about this, but just for the listeners, what what, what do you think? Where where are they? Yeah, I think you had them third yeah, overall now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, three from four is um, unbelievable. Back to back is is a, a huge effort. It's, it's funny that people keep talking that we're in a in an age of uh, equalisation are we as soon as free agency came in that that stopped the the balance of power but it allows teams that have success to be destination clubs and players being able to go without compensation and all that type of stuff that the equalisation thing stopped eight years ago or seven years ago whenever free agency came in so I'm a bit shocked that coaches and some people are still saying this I was like No, no, no. The strongest teams with the strongest systems in place will continue to divide. Um, I think there's a bigger divide between Richmond and Adelaide and North Melbourne this year than whoever finished last. Let's say it was Carlton in the mid part of 2010s uh, with whoever won the flag then. Um, So... I do put them right up there because um, I think they've got two to three years of good football in them still. Yeah. No one's leaving the club. Nobody's asking to be traded or offloaded. Name um, another club that has that, like, trailing. West Coast sounded like that for a little bit, but there's players wanting out of West Coast now. Um, yeah, look, they even if they get to the grand final next year and don't win it, I think they're absolutely up there um, with Hawthorne and Brisbane of the last 20 years. Yeah. And then you throw – then for me, um, as far as teams and mini-dynasties, Geelong after that and then Sydney. Sydney Sydney were playing finals for so many years consecutively and giving themselves an opportunity to win flags. They just weren't able to get the job done on a couple of occasions. Had they done that and had five – Flags, which they could have easily done in a 20-year period. Um, Sydney uh, could have been well and truly, and then West Coast would be the the, the next team. I think after that six, Collingwood, only one flag. St Kilda, not winning any. Um, yeah, I oh, know. The rest of them, you can argue. But, yeah, yeah. at the moment, uh, Brisbane, because they did something that hadn't been done for so long. Yeah. Um, Pips, Hawthorne. Even though Hawthorne have got four overall, and then Geelong, uh, then Richmond, Geelong, they're, they're they're the four pick teams for me, for the last twenty years.
0: My only difference is I I agree with a lot of that. My only difference is I, so I've got Hawthorne at one. Um, the fact that they there's enough players for me that were involved in the 08 flag and then went on to to the yeah, following fine, three. Though there's five of them I think that's mm. enough for me that I, I I know there's 22 players but I don't know that that's enough for me that I want to include that I think yeah Hawthorne are the number one so we're, we're talking about like you know from kind of you know mid kind of 2000s onwards and I'll get into the other elements in a minute but like yeah so Hawthorne I think I, I have them very high up in terms of above Richmond I guess as a conversation and then after that I've got um, Brisbane I think Brisbane Winning that three in a row, obviously, you know, the way they won them, so many more away games. Like they, you know, I know Richmond had a very hard flag just gone, which, you know, we haven't really spoken about. But that, that I think, is their most special flag It defin- of the three. It definitely um, showcases how good of a team they are to have won in the way they did, at, you know, like that goes without saying the, in the hub and COVID. And the, the like it, it's a ridiculous flag to have won. Um, away as well. Like they've, you know, and actually we should go through this very briefly. But it does really. Maybe I'll have to split this episode into two because it's gone for a while. But it does put a complete full stop as well. There's a few things. There's so much to discuss, but it does put a complete full stop on that argument. That oh well, you know, Richmond have dominated so heavily because they've had so many games at the G and they've had home ground advantage. All that. Forget it. That that argument's in the bin now because they they've won away from home. For 110 days, and they've played barely at the G all year, like a few yeah. times, and they've been away this entire time. So I think this 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 flag and, really and did. Yeah. As I gonna say, one in Adelaide in the Prairie Limb right.
1: before having to come back, and we know the gap.
0: But 100%. They went the hard way around. Yeah, they did the Hawthorne 2015, but even yeah. harder with COVID uh, and the hub and everything else. 100%. 100%. So I've got, yeah, I've got Hawthorne at one, Brisbane at two, and then Richmond. I think Richmond sit just behind those two. If they win another one, then, then we'll open up the discussion again. But at this stage, that's where I sit. I have them above yep. the Cats. In the, that Cats team, um, through seven, obviously they, they lost 08, 109, um, lost the prelim in 10, and then won 11. They
1: didn't win back-to-backs.
0: They, they, they won. Yeah, Exactly. That That's the biggest problem is they won more games through that period. They were a better team than Richmond, no doubt. Absolutely, if you want team to team, you know, they won, you know, they barely lost in 08. Like they were they were un- unplayable, basically. But yeah. ultimately, back-to-back means a lot to me. And to do it back-to-back with the corona, to put this into perspective, how absolutely bonkers this is, if we have a crowd in round one in 2021 season coming up at the G for Carlton Richmond, Richmond will be unveiling two flags. That's how long it's been since they've been able to unveil flags in front of a crowd. They'll be unveiling the 2019 and 2020 Premiership flag. I mean, that is ridiculous. So, like, the reality is...
1: That'll be good for the current supporters.
0: It'll be great for the They'll love it. But there, it'll be hilarious. That'll be great to watch. We should go to the game. That'll be a pisser. But the reality is, you're right, That's the thing. It's, it's it Back-to-back's important, 100%. It, yeah. No back-to-back hurts. But they're, they're a better team that, that should have won more. They should they, they shouldn't have lost a, they should not have been beaten by Collingwood in that 2010 prelim anywhere near that heavily the way they got beaten at all they should have they, that should have been uh, the Geelong I think probably should have beaten them or at least been a lot closer and and 8 they shouldn't have lost they, they screwed that game up completely. So anyway that that's that's where we rate them but as a side note, I think as a team, you can mount an argument; it's a big gap between it. But you can mount an argument; they're better than that Essendon team. That obviously baby bombers, and they won two thousand. It's seven years between. It's a big gap. A uh, six years between. It, I I just don't see. You know, there's no back to back. I think they're better than them. I I think there's some better players in there, or, or, or players that that sit with a lot of those guys. But there's no back to back, and and no they ninety nine they blew it. And then north of the same seven straight prelims, very good team, but only two flags. It's it's not enough. It's not enough. So and no back to back. I think your man Adelaide. You know, obviously, were fantastic back to back, two flags, but still, at least they won the back to back. So. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a long, long kind of conversation as to where you want to go, all time terms. They definitely don't sit with Hawthorne in the 80s and Essen in the 80s, but you know, they're, they're, it's, it's. Different eras. Though. Different. It can't start to the
1: conversation. Yeah, the, con- the conversation stops uh, probably 95 yeah. for me. I think pre 95, um, it's a semi going into a professional competition. Um, yeah, lots of dodgy dealings under table stuff still going on, all that type of different. Um, And even then, I'm being generous, like, really, to compare modern football really is $2,000 because that's when it's 100% professional. We've almost got the, um, full list of teams now with the exception of the Suns and the Giants. Um, but it's a completely national sport now um, by that stage. So that's, that for me is how you compare and you compare the other teams prior to that separately. The 90s is the hardest part because that's when the VFL was transitioning to AFL. So there was that's probably why we didn't see the dominance of one or two teams. It was, except for Adelaide winning back-to-back, was almost a different team winning the premiership every other year. It yeah. Was a bit of number num- number of uh, premiers in the nineties. So, yeah,
0: yeah. That's a very very deep discussion. We uh, did talk
1: about the grand final for a while. That's did. what it's all about. Was basically we, we suffered through twenty weeks of home and away just to get to this point.
0: <laughs> and it was a, it was a really good game. Still, it was, it was still a, a good yeah, game. It was. Yeah.
1: It was, yeah, it was it was. I, funnily enough, I mean, I love catching up with you most of you, but it was also nice just to sit <clears throat> and focus on the game and not have distractions left the other side with other people talking. Obviously, you know, know what I mean. You and I don't talk that. too much. But yeah, yeah, obviously I don't want to do it ever again. Um, but just uh-huh. for that one-off, just to sit there and just be focused on the game um, was a novelty for me. I don't usually do that. Well,
0: I didn't, I didn't really drink, not, not, I don't actually like to drink too much with the grand final. I mean, you wait so long through the year and I actually don't Mm. like kind of, this sounds like a a serial killer or, or like a bit weird, but like, I don't actually really like going to gatherings and parties and stuff for the grand final I really, I really like football I kind of it's annoying I've done it a couple of times and too much noise and distracting and like we wait the entire year we can have a party the following week we can do whatever we like that's fine but like I really want to watch the game properly and I don't think people realise like, I, I I'm locked in I want to watch the game and it's
1: yeah and it's moments like yeah. grand final can change in moments and if you miss those moments you go oh fuck I have to watch it again oh some people love watching the game yeah. but yeah at the time, it's not, it's not the same. It's, yeah, I, I, I'm like you. Yeah, it's been a number of years since I've Well, you and I, I normally watch it together.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. you and I traditionally not really for quite a while now have watched it together, so that was pretty average, and I'm looking forward to getting back on the horse again next year. But you and I, like, and I think that because we understand, like, the way the other wants to view it, like, we don't, you know, we want to watch no. it properly.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um,
0: so. so, look, yeah, obviously all the best of the cats, I think they, they were very good. Um, they had a great season, but um, they're going to come back better next year. You'd think with Higgins yeah, and Cameron,
1: they're, they're, to, they're topping up their lists like like uh, like they do every year. They'll be thereabouts. They'll be. They'll nobody's be, yeah. leaving. Nobody's leaving Richmond, so they'll be thereabouts again. You would think as well.
0: Yeah, well, you might see these two teams back again in the grand final in yeah, 2021. You might. I actually think that's a big, big chance. So
1: yeah,
0: all the best. Um, please yes, send any questions for through. Yeah, exactly. Off. Oh, look, if you've listened to this, you've done, you've done very well. Lots. It was a, it was a heaps to discuss, and then also it was it was good to talk about that kind of pantheon conversation around where everybody sits, and because there were some key moves. I think Richmond went up a rung or two, and then yeah. I think um, Dusty clearly has gone up a couple of rungs again as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, I dare say we'll uh, delve deeper into to that more when we get to the end of season review. Yeah. Um, on Richmond as well, because there's still a little bit more that we could discuss. But yeah, we've been going on for a little while, and it might just make this uh, episode a, a double.
0: I'll be splitting this in half, I reckon, because <laughs> I think we've gone for about two hours. But hours, uh, <coughs> almost grand final. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. I, oh, it's great. It's it's there's so much to discuss. Um, yeah. So what we'll do? Um, we're not finishing from here. A lot of the AFL podcasts finish here. So what we'll do for a bit of housekeeping? We will do trade period. Um, depending on how the trade period goes, a couple of years ago, week one was completely dead and nothing had happened. So there was no point doing an episode, but then week two was crazy. But if week one, there's some stuff to discuss and it's, it's interesting. And there's been a few moves. I think we'll, we'll definitely do an episode. Uh, if you don't see an episode, it's because nothing happened. And then we'll do one the following week where we break down the entire thing. But it all happens in week two. Like, you know, I, I, trade radio and all that stuff. They talk about the same thing for, you know, twelve hours a day. We can't do that. So we we need no. concrete stuff to happen. Otherwise, we're not interested. So I think ultimately, and especially
1: especially with Victoria uh, reopening yeah. this week and, and more like there's stuff that you and I haven't been able to do Fate, like go for a hit of tennis or
0: well, that's it. Uh, whatever
1: the case might be, um, I my work's back. So I yeah, we'll wait and see. We might not have time to do. <laughs> Not have time to do it till after the trade's done, anyway. So. No,
0: exactly. We'll see how we go. But even if we do a small recap or something, yeah, the week, sure. if, if there's stuff that happens. But if there's not, yeah, we'll just so bare minimum. We'll do a trade period um, review, and then I think we'll see how we go. It's been a very long year. Both of us are going to be crazy busy for the rest of the year, so we might pause it until kind of February March time, and then do take a few months off, and then do a full season previews rather than necessarily reviews. In the past, yeah. it's always been a bit of like, you know... A
1: bit of overlap and repeating. Well,
0: just saying. it's always been a bit funny as to whether we do both because you do it and then you're kind of like missing a lot that happens in the off-season. And then talking about yeah. it a bit again, you kind of end up repeating it. So we've done it, we did it for two years and it was a bit like too much double up. So we might, to be honest... Look, given how busy we're going to be in the next six weeks you know and then there's Christmas basically so we might just yeah, start in might just like, too yeah we might just start late Feb, early March if there's something major that happens of course we'll do it but either way you'll get at least an episode or two around trade um yeah, yeah. but yeah as as kind of where we're at in terms of the you know reviews and previews it, it's a bit hard because obviously we to be fair as well we finished so late in the season it's nearly November like it just starts to get so busy from here and it becomes harder and harder so um, but either way, we will get a trade period discussion out, which will be fun. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of moves. So, yeah, yeah. all the best. Take care. Uh, hopstone.com.au. Us. Uh, please use the AFL uh, deep dive uh, code as a, a coupon uh, discount code for hopstone.com.au to get $25 off your first pack. If you're on the game TV, bang his head, he's back. Uh, all my dead. Please check bang. out Bang, Bang, Bang. Uh, all the best. We are gone. Goodbye. Joey thanks guys see you later